Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. And hey there, this is Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Woohoo! The Grindhouse Girls podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like I should say the because when you search Slumber Party Massacre, it always is like, did you mean the Slumber Party Massacre? Yeah, I was like, (laughs) me too. I was like, um, okay. Sure, of course. I do like that distinction, though, because it's not just Slumber Party Massacre. Although, I want to say all of the sequels are just Slumber Party Massacre 2 yeah. and 3. So I did notice that. Yeah. But honestly, they don't. They're not as good as this one. I've watched parts of the other two. Like, I don't even remember the third one. I do remember the second one because um, it's like the same kind of a killer. He has a drill, but it's a guitar drill. So... <laughs> different um so on that note we're covering the slumber party massacre um which is a horror comedy slasher film from the early 80s and um i picked it because um i wanted something kind of um light and um if kitten um (laughs) canada just really wants to be part of the conversation by the way yes she is (laughs) um slumber party massacre or the slumber party massacre um i want to choose it because it's light and uh we just got done with the well i guess we're not completely done because there's other things people are being sore losers but um uh basically we finally know who the president-elect is and thank god the election's pretty much over because i couldn't handle the stress anymore so, um, I, but because of that, I, we just needed something light to deal with. And we also did the whaling last week and the whaling was very heavy. So, yes. Although it was comedic as well. Um, uh, any, any corrections or house cleaning to do, Britt? Anything cool? I didn't. Happening? I, um, not really. Not really. Um, how about you, Katie? Is there anything that you would like to talk about or mention? No, I will say, um, I think we are going to take a break after, not next week, but the week after, because it will be, not when we're recording, but when they come out, will be like mid-December, and mm-hmm. unless we re-record our episode with our friend Jonathan to have that the week of Christmas come out, we probably won't have an episode Christmas week or the week after, because yeah. with work, I'm not going to have time to do that, and we just need a little bit of a break. So, um, just to let you guys know, we might not be here for a couple weeks. Um, but we're going to have at least two more episodes, maybe a bonus one if we re-record with our friend Jonathan. Maybe it'll be a winter break episode, because um, that was the one where the footage got lost. But that's really the only thing I've been thinking of. Um, I do want to thank people for subscribing and sharing and 
Like, I had a lot of people uh, like today's post that, like, I hadn't seen before, and I was, or, like, who hadn't liked it before, and I was like, oh, that's sweet. So thank you guys for liking and sharing and subscribing. And I think this episode might be coming out, uh, I guess it's right after Thanksgiving, or this might be the week of Thanksgiving when this episode comes out. So if, if you're going to have Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Yes, I love Thanksgiving. So I love this time of year because I love Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas back to back mm-hmm. to back. Yes, like I it's think a great this is time of year. <laughs> after Thanksgiving, so we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, so unfortunately, the depressing one is on Thanksgiving week, but whatever, it's fine. We didn't. Honestly, I had a good Thanksgiving episode, like a movie that I was thinking of, but we did. I didn't think ahead. I didn't think to be like, oh, hey, this is going to be that, but. We did think ahead, and uh, for Christmas at least. So maybe, it's okay, maybe next year we'll be able to do something that's um, going to be more Thanksgiving-themed. Um, yeah, so we, we may or may not, uh, we're probably going to take a break in late December, but we will have some early December episodes for you guys. Um, and maybe a bonus episode, or maybe that'll be our first episode of the new year. We shall see. Yes. Um, yeah, but, um, I guess, should we get down to business to defeat the Huns? Sorry. Did they send me daughters? daughters. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Mulan. Um, so, do 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 get to where I was. So, a little background on Slumber Party Massacre. I'm gonna go do a little background just about like how it came to be because I honestly think the backgrounds more interesting than the movie itself. Personally. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Um, because the movie itself is, uh, well, it isn't. It isn't a straightforward slasher. Um, basically, this movie was written as a script called "Don't Open the Door" by novelist Rita Mae Brown. Um, it is supposed to be a satirical spoof of the slasher genre. And um, Rita Mae Brown, if you've heard of that name, my mom used to read a lot of her books. Um, I can't remember the cat. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky something. Sneaky pie or something like that. Um, book series where it was like about a woman who had a cat and the woman solved mysteries, but the cat helped her solve mysteries. Like, it was like from the cat's point of view. But Aww. like, but not like the cat didn't like talk to the lady. It was just, like, the cat observed her owner, like, solving mysteries in, like, a small town. And my mom used to read a lot of her, like, it's, like, they're, like, uh, murder mysteries. So, like, she wrote a bunch of murder mysteries. She's very famous for that. She's also a a feminist activist, too. So she's very known for being a feminist. And she wrote this as a spoof. And you can see um, the, uh, the director, Amy... Holden Jones has said like she was like I don't know if I knew this when I was doing it but I know it now that obviously this movie's metaphor is like it's a metaphor for like a virgin being afraid of sex basically Um, which you can see there's a lot of phallic imagery and metaphors and but it's also making fun of slashers and there's a very smart script in here but the producers didn't really see that. The producers saw it as just a straightforward slasher, and that's how they wanted the director to approach it. Um, Roger Corman, who is a king of schlock, he did a lot of really, like... He he has produced... He did produce a lot of really 
good movies, but he produced a lot of schlocky, nudity-filled, like, exploitation movies, basically. And um, he wanted this to be a straightforward slasher because that's the market that he saw. And um, he let director Amy Holden Jones um, direct it. This was her first directorial debut, basically. She had made a student film in college that had won a prestigious award, and Martin Scorsese saw it, and Scorsese let her be his assistant on Taxi Driver. So she had, like, a lot of experience with very famous directors, and she was actually a film editor at the time, but she really went to direct. And she actually was offered the job to edit E.T., or she could direct this movie, and she chose to direct this movie instead. And um, basically the way she got the job was, I don't know if you heard this, I, I watched an interview with the cast, was, like, she took the first three scenes of the movie because she was given a bunch of scripts and chose this script um, the don't open the door script and she was like okay so the first scene there's like a the first three scenes there's like a dialogue scene an action scene and a horror scene and if, if I can just direct these three scenes and show Roger Corman that I can do that he'll let me start directing movies and he saw them and he asked her like how much did you spend on this she's like a thousand dollars and he's like okay cool so you're gonna finish the movie right so she wasn't even intending on finishing the movie at first but she did and um <laughs> I think she brought a lot of humor to it. Um, yeah. Because she did understand the satire, obviously, probably because she's a woman. And this is very much a slasher from a woman's point of view. So um, I think it's very interesting. And I think it becomes this weird hybrid of a movie because it's, it's, it's not really completely a straightforward slasher. It's not really completely a comedy, but it is very funny. It is, there's like purposeful and non-purposeful comedic parts and it's not really like a complete satire but you do have satire in it which is really cool and um the only thing really like that she didn't really do on purpose in the movie is all the nudity and that was because that was a requirement from the studio to have nudity and not really sex they said they didn't apparently they weren't really into like sex scenes they were like we don't care if it's a sex scene we just need people to be naked which is why there's a weird shower scene at the beginning of the movie um and yeah the other thing that uh, amy holden jones also wrote um was mystic pizza Mm -hmm. and she originated the beethoven season series yep yeah and that's probably like she she now she writes for tv so she's still writing which is cool um, and she's been, like, a lot of people, like, were criticizing her about this movie, like, being selling out as a woman. And she was like, well, Scorsese did that. You know, Spielberg did that. Everybody, everybody did a crappy, exploitative movie for Roger Corman, but they were men, so nobody said anything about it. That's how you break into the industry, and that's what she did. And, you know, I, I can't disagree with her. And I think she did it the best way you could do it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's a lot of background. Sorry. No, I like it. Um, And yeah, so what I kind of liked about this movie is that, um, so I'll be honest, going into uh, movies, I usually do a Rotten Tomatoes list just to kind of see. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just like, what is a general audience giving this movie? Right. And it actually has a 38, which is our lowest rating (laughs) on Grindhouse Girls podcast we've ever done for a movie. I was like, oh boy. Uh, Yes. um, But surprisingly, I enjoyed it. It's a very, like, 
uh, is to me is a cohesive film, and it's it's quick. It's seventy two minutes, so I mean it's a relatively quick watch too. Yeah. I think it's um, seventy six with credits. Yeah, but, but still, like that's quick. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like to me it drags because it's so fucking goofy. <laughs> yes, I think that's what I like about it. That's why I like like even though uh, I'm a little sad that it's not a full satire. Um, yeah. Because I think it would have been interesting to have it as a like a smarter satire. I think the fact that Amy Holden Jones, you know, injected her own sense of humor into this movie made it an enjoyable watch. Like you could put this one on for any group of friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of nudity, so maybe not your like five year old cousin, but you could put it with any other like teenage to grown up group of people and just laugh at it because it's pretty silly. But it's also like everyone has does fairly good performances nobody stands out as bad every but there there's definitely it's definitely b-movie acting this is not this is not like a midsummer or hereditary where there's oscar-worthy performances this is not parasite y'all but this is it is a perfect b-movie and if you like b-movies this is some one that you should see and i feel like it's one people know about but a lot of people haven't actually watched it which is funny because it's so short so it's so easy to watch it is, and it's interesting and it's very sad too because when you're looking at all these, there's a, there's so many actresses in this movie, and the only one that had like an actual kind of link or article was Robin Steele, I think is how you pronounce her last name, and she yeah. plays um, Valerie. And I found out the reason that uh, Robin had a link was that she ended up being in another horror movie after this. I forgot, and I feel so bad. But it was she's like more sorority slasher something. Yeah, something real. It was something like that. Yeah. Something real like silly. out there, yeah. But she 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 died at the very young age of thirty four, and tragically yeah. she committed suicide. And yeah. so it's she like, had a lot of alcohol it's really problems sad. too, apparently, which is really sad. Yeah. But none of these. I mean, Amy Holden Jones obviously has a, a pretty lucrative career just because she has done movies that are mainstream that we we knew and grew up with. Um, yeah. And then of course with Rita Mae Brown, I, I know Katie touched a little bit on like the different series. She's really really known for Ruby Fruit Jungle, which I actually had heard about before because we had an LGBT literature course at our college, and Ruby Fruit Jungle was required reading. Um, for that course, so I, I was familiar, and it actually makes an appearance in the movie. I didn't know if you caught that it does, at the end. It does, apparently. yeah. <laughs> and I, I knew it did, but I keep not seeing it. I keep not looking. Yeah, I get distracted. But it is, it is in the background of a couple of a scene, which is mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, she's a very like she's a feminist, and she's obviously LGBT. She's a lesbian, and it's interesting. Um, she's a very like obviously she's very tongue in cheek and. Um, sarcastic, which is some of my favorite comedy, is sarcasm, and that's why I really like her. Um, but also, like, I like her too because she doesn't write characters that are just like her. She she has a very good variety of her characters. Like, I'm sure there's a, there is probably a personal insert character. Most good authors have a personal insert character. Tony Kushner always always has a character that is just like Tony Kushner, um, who wrote Angels in America. Um, I remember every time I read any one of his plays, which he hasn't written. I don't think Tony Kushner's written a lot of plays, but Angels in America is like the the length of like ten plays, so that's a lot. Um, but there's always a character like him. But most authors have that. But I feel like she's more interested in like just giving characters personalities, and I think yeah. So one of the reasons I like this movie is that yeah, it's a slasher film, and the plot isn't super complicated, but everybody feels like a real person. 
Like, yeah. surprisingly, in a slasher film, they all have personalities, and they they seem like actual friends. Um, but yeah, so Valerie, the uh, Robin Steele, who played Valerie, that's tragic. Apparently, she was, like, the kindest person on set, according to the director. Oh, man. Like, everyone was like, she was so nice. And I guess they didn't see her for a while, and then the next thing everyone knew had she passed away. However, the woman that plays Coach Jana, Pamela Roylance, um, she was in The Social Network, apparently, which I don't huh. know who she was in it. Um, but she also co-hosted the infomercial for Time Life's Pop Memories of the 60s. So if you've ever <laughs> been awake at night and seen that infomercial, that might be why her face looks familiar. Because I kept thinking her face looks so familiar. And she actually looks like a girl who plays, I feel like the character's name is Amy as well. Um, in Buffy, there's this girl who... Um, she is, a, like, her mom or her is, like, a witch or something. And I don't know. It's, like, the first season of Buffy. There's a, there's a witch and there's this girl and she's trying to get into cheerleading with Buffy. And her name's Amy. And um, I feel like uh, she looks like her. And I kept trying to figure out if they were related, but I don't think they are. Because um, they have different last names. But I was like, she looks like her. And then I was like, oh, she's on that time life commercial you know it's those people they walk in there's like a piano they're like remember the 60s remember the good times remember motown that's that's great and they're just like i'm like uh yeah sure whatever um it's just like a cd where it's just like hi you can get this 25 disc set for the low low price of five payments of 1999 yeah um, and then Brinky Stevens, or Brink Stevens, I don't really know how you say her name, who plays Linda, who's, like, the first, like, first character death that is, like, a, that means something. I guess, like, the first friend that dies. Um, she's not the, she's not the red herring. She's, like, the next kill. Um, she was, like, a scream queen in B-horror, apparently. But she did very B-movies, because I tried to look at all the movies she did, and no, I was not familiar with any of them. But her face was familiar and she kind of she kind of has like she had like an elvira look i would say oh. like when she did a couple other b movies like she looked like she was trying to emulate elvira or maybe betty page okay you know like because she had like the bangs and the dark hair and stuff but she looks very young here um but yeah so uh, there uh, it seems like a lot of the people did <laughs> act and because a lot of them still have active imdb pages but not, like, no one went on to be, like, super famous. Although David Milburn, who played Jeff, I think has been in a lot of stuff and is still acting. And um, the guy that played Neil, I think, ha was in a lot of stuff younger um, and is still acting. So, like, people, a lot of people are still, like, doing stuff. Like, the girl that played Kim, Deborah DeLiso, she, like, kind of took a break for a long time. And she's been doing stuff more recently because she had kids. But, um, yeah, so, like, it's one of those movies, like, there's not, like, a Johnny Depp in the background where you can be like, oh, look, like, oh, this was Johnny Depp's first movie, like, Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever, but, <coughs> but it's still, like, it's still fun and it's campy and, um, yeah, I really like this movie, um, although I will say it's, again, it's not a smart movie. Don't go in it thinking it's gonna be the next Hereditary. It's not. It's, it's silly and campy. But it, I think it's a fun movie. It would be fun to watch with a group of friends. Yeah, I would agree with that for yeah. sure. So um, I guess we should start maybe talking about the plot a little bit and get into spoilery territory. Although, honestly, 
spoilers aren't the biggest thing with this movie. There's not really a big twist or anything. Yeah, and it's probably going to go quick, like, <laughs> just yeah. discussing it. Um, yeah. Did you have a synopsis for it? I do, I do. I actually, I actually wrote out a lot of stuff because I wanted to keep track of all the body counts. Uh, <laughs> okay, so basic synopsis. Spoiler-free synopsis is, with her parents out of town, 18-year-old Trish invites her oldest girlfriends over for a slumber party. No boys allowed. But someone's about to break that rule and make it a slumber party massacre. Da, yep. da, da. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the summary you get. It's basically the whole thing yep. uh, in it. Um, and we kind of, we open with Trish. Trish, uh, I, I forgot this when I was, until I watched it again, because I had seen it a couple times before. Um, Trish is like 18. She wakes up. And there's immediately a funny joke. She's listening to the radio, and there's this woman screaming, and it's the radio DJ going, don't freak out. Do you know what you've won? She's like, oh, my God, what did I win? Did I win, like, $100? What happened? And he's like, you won a free T-shirt. And she's just like, oh. And I was like, wow, there's already a joke about male inadequacy in the first two minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, which I found hilarious. But, like, Trish wakes up. She's 18. So still in high school, but, like, senior, you know, getting getting to be an adult. She thinks she's an adult. And you see her, like wake up and okay this was this always is weird to me like i pick up with these things she like immediately i know this is just because of the nudity clause but she immediately like she's sleeping in like a sleep shirt and she immediately just takes her sleep shirt off no bra which i mean nobody wears a bra to bed but like takes her sleep shirt off and is just like in her underwear but instead of like taking a shower she just like puts a dress on over her underwear that she slept in and i was kind of like okay but i get it okay it's you know, we're whatever. I was like, all right. So she starts putting away all of her like favorite, like childhood toys. You can tell, like she puts away like, like a Barbie and a bunch of like childish toys and she puts them in a bag. And then there's like one toy. She's like, I can't get rid of this one. It's a stuffed puppy. Yeah. It's really cute. I was like, yeah. Oh, it's cute. Cause I, I too, like I got rid of a lot of my childish stuff, but I, st- I actually have a lot of my old toys like packed away. Cause like I could not, it's like, I will have kids one day and they will play with them. My mom's like, they'll probably want their own, but you know, whatever. You're a hoarder. It's fine. I literally told, I was like talking to the screen. I was like, do not touch this stuffed puppy. Because <laughs> she started to pick it up and then she like petted it and then she left it. I was like, damn right. You leave that puppy yeah. there. <laughs> Which you can see from the directing and writing that like there's something more there. It's not just like, I'm naked and I'm getting ready for a sleepover. Yeah. It's like, hi, like, I'm I'm an adult, and I'm 18 now, and I don't need my Barbie dolls anymore. I'm an adult. And she she goes down to the front of her house, and her parents are leaving for the weekend, and she's like, Mom, I'm 18, I'm fine. Like, so, of course, now we know, like, everybody's legal, so we can't feel, like, I guess, I feel like they did that on purpose. They're like, yeah. no one is illegal, so that's why everyone's allowed to be topless. I was like, yeah, but it's still high schoolers, and that's weird, but okay. Um, I like, there's like a line, too, because David Conton, I think, is her neighbor, and he's yeah. already, he's kind of like a strange-looking guy, to be honest, I'm yes. sorry. But, like, the mom is like, he's gonna make sure you don't get in trouble, and she's like, shit. Like, she just says it, yeah. like, and it's like, that's the kind of humor the whole movie has, where it's very, like, flowy, and yes. kind of funny. Yeah. And it also feels like, yeah, I would say that too. And apparently the guy that played Mr. Content, um... Content, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's like Content or Content, I don't know. But content. he apparently 
hasn't really done anything, but he did Beetleborgs, which you remember Beetleborgs? It was like a that sounds vaguely Power familiar. Rangers. Um, it was like a Power Rangers knockoff. Maybe it wasn't a knockoff, but it was like that kind of vein of thing. His name's Rig Kennedy, and apparently somebody else. I was watching another review, and they just kept showing this video of him like with a guitar solo or something. So apparently he's a strange dude. Um, but he's done movies, it looks like, um, which he's not bad, like, but he's weird, and I kept thinking he was gonna end up being the killer, like, when I first saw him, I was like, he feels creepy, I don't really like him, um, but, I mean, he's kind of a red herring character, but also they don't really hide what the killer looks like, so he's kind of not, I will say, that's maybe a criticism, you don't really, it's not really a mystery who the killer is, which... But then they still have a red herring in Mr. Content, and then, um, I feel like there was another, and then, like, the, the boyfriends, too, like, I don't know if, they, I don't know if they were just like, no, we're not gonna have it, but we're, we have to have it, because it's a spoof, or not, but anyways, he's kind of weird, he's like, I'll, I'll watch her, don't worry, everything will be fine, um, and then there's, like, this very, like, Carrie reminiscent scene, where they're all playing basketball together, and, I mean, this was 82 so it was probably filmed in like 81 i would say maybe 80 um i don't really know but carrie was the late 70s so like like it's very like everyone's kind of dressed still 70s because you know decades carry over you know in fashion trends so like everyone looks very 70s and everyone's like playing basketball and um so trish has several friends um there's linda who um it has to study this weekend so she probably can't come to the party there's her friend Diane, who's a snob, who doesn't like the new girl, whose name is Valerie, and Valerie lives next door to um, Trish, and Valerie's kind of shy, but very pretty and nice, and she's very good at basketball, so she's kind of kicking Diane's ass at basketball, and Diane's getting really pissy. Um, so Kim's kind of like a tomboy, and she's the one who like brings the pot and the beer to the party. And there's Jackie, who's kind of like, I like Jackie because she's like, she's just very nonchalant and unbothered by everybody. Like, because like, there's one part where there's like a dead body and she's like, I'm hungry. I want to eat some food. And I was like, yeah, girl, same. I did. I literally wrote down that scene because <laughs> I, I was laughing. She, it's like, they touch a dead, it's a pizza boy and they touch him and they're like, he's cold. And she's like, but is the pizza. And she yes, just slowly moves so the funny. pizza from out from out. She's like, it's fine. Life goes on, and I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I I love that scene actually. And I think, yeah, and that's kind of like so. Obviously, like Linda, Trish, Diane, Kim, and Jackie are like best friends, and they've been friends for a very long time because they're like, we're gonna have a sleepover tonight, like old times. No boys allowed. Just us. Just the just the crew. And um, there's their coach Jana is very nice. And she's very, like, supportive. Again, it's, it, it feels very much like Carrie. And then there's, like, a weird shower scene where they're all topless. And that's the one where, like, she was like, I literally only did that scene so I could have the required nudity. But she's like, but you can tell that, like, I just hit the beats I had to. Because, like, it's I felt very awkward filming it. And it was very weird. And I didn't want to have to have that scene in there. But And what's weird, though, is that she, like, the way the camera, it goes up and down. And mm-hmm. up and down. And, like, it Getting felt a little 
It felt a little awkward to me because I know people wash their asses, but it was also like one girl like literally like rinses between her butt cheeks and I'm like like it's like authentic, but it it just made I don't me need feel to see that. like I, yeah, it's like it's not very like it's not like she sticks her whole hand up her ass, but she definitely like wipes in between like her butt in the shower. Maybe she had I'm... swamp ass. I mean, <laughs> she she had been like you know playing basketball. I had that earlier today because <laughs> so I turned my air conditioning off because it wasn't that hot outside. And oh, so oh, mini story time. Katie, uh, so new house, new light fixtures, like all the light bulbs in my bedroom and the hallway leading to my bedroom went out this week. And so I went to go, I can't get the one in my bedroom to unscrew, so I can't change the light bulb yet, which, but I have like a lamp, so it's not really that big of a deal. But the one in my hallway, I unscrew, I put the light bulbs on, and apparently, like the facet that kept it in place came out. And so the whole thing fell. So, like, changing two light bulbs became me, like, screaming fuck and going, I, like, because I didn't want to, like, leave it hanging. I had to, like, run and get a box and keep the box under it until I could figure out how the frick to, like, fix it. It was really funny. Um, so, like, I got really hot and sweaty and I was like, oh, my God, I think I have swamp ass. Because, like, because <laughs> I was, like, wearing jeans because I thought it was going to be, like, a two-minute, like, just change the light bulb. It's fine. So uh, that was fun. The joys of owning your own home. Yep. Super fun. Also, I have high ceilings, and I think the light bulb in my bathroom is about to go out, and I'm like, I need a bigger ladder, because I cannot reach it with my regular ladder, like, at all. It is way too high. Um, so, that's fun. Um, anyways, so maybe she had swamp ass, and she just really needed to wipe her butt down. But yep. I don't know. I didn't go to a school where there were showers yeah. in the gym. Um, I think there were showers but we didn't really use them. I went to private yeah. school. We didn't uh we didn't have like the greatest facilities because like both of the schools I went to were like either really old schools or like they were um like my high school was a renovated office building. Not anymore. They have a big fancy campus now, but when I went there, we were lucky that we had bathrooms. We didn't even have a full-on cafeteria. They catered food to us. Like they had people bring food in because we couldn't have a we didn't have the facilities for an actual kitchen so like i didn't i didn't have that high school experience of of showering with other people but i was on swim team and i did shower a lot with other people on swim team i usually wore my bathing suit honestly while i showered because like one you want to rinse the chlorine out of your bathing suit anyways and two like i'm not the biggest be naked around other people person i don't really mind it in short bursts like like, I'll get changed in front of people. I mean, I was in, we were in, I was in theater. So, like, you do have to get, not naked, but, like, in your underwear to, like, change mics and stuff. And people have to change your costumes. That's normal. Um, but I'm not really get naked. But I did have some other friends who were, like, just, just very, very comfortable being naked in the swim team locker rooms. Like, one of my friends, like, she would literally just be having a conversation and just be, like, butt-ass naked. And just, like... No shame. It was just like, I was just like, okay, this is different. Okay. She's just like unashamed and that's cool. But like, there were also like some older ladies that like, I swear it was like their favorite time or something. Like they were like naked from the time they walked into the locker room until they went out to the pool. Like, and then they came back and it was like, they were just having conversations naked. And I was just like, I don't, I find it more business work. Like when I go into a locker room, I'm more of like, 
I mean, I'm going to get changed, but it's more business. It's not like social hour when I'm naked, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm repressed. I don't know. <laughs> I, I definitely am repressed. 12 years of Catholic school. I'm scarred for life. May do that to you just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> they do. I mean, did, is it, did your high school like shower? So we had showers, um, but we did not use them. Or yeah. at least I wasn't required to use them at all. Anyways, so so it's it's a carry scene, but uh, but nobody gets beat up. However, Diane's being a little bitch. Yes. Diane, I I kind of love and hate this character because she is like unashamedly herself. Like she's not she's not trying to hide, and she's not really two faced. She's like very obviously like she doesn't like Val. She thinks she's a teacher's pet, and like. She thinks she's showing her up, and she's just jealous. But they're having this conversation, and I really liked this because it was, like, a real conversation you would have with your friends about jealousy and shit. Because Trisha's like, hey, Val lives next door to me. Maybe we should invite her to the party. And Diane's like, I don't like her. She's she's She tries too hard to be pretty. And then, like, everyone's like, is it because she's just better at basketball than you? Or maybe because she's pretty? And they're all like, Diane, you're being a snob. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, like, the best people are, you know? <laughs> And Tr- Val overhears them, and she's hurt. So when Trish does invite her, she's like, "No, no, I can't go. I'm sorry, I have to study. Sorry." And Trish is like, "Oh God, she hurt us. Like she feels really bad." So, uh, yeah. So then they're like leaving the gym, and Linda's like, "Oh shit, I forgot a book," and um, she goes back in. But before that, I forgot. Before that, we meet Neil and Jeff, which are interesting characters because they're kind of like the goofy boys who like, but they're not aggressive. Like they say like, man, you got to be more aggressive with girls, but they're like, they're nice guys. Like I, they're like the guy friends of the girls and they want to come to the party too, but they're like, because they do want to see the girls in their pajamas, but I don't think that's, that doesn't seem like it's their whole purpose. It seems like also... They are school friends, and they do hang out with them fairly often. Well, it's interesting, too, to see the tables turn, because all they do is talk about girls in the movies, while the girls don't really focus on boys at all. No. This movie completely and totally passes the Bechdel test, if that's a thing that you're interested in. There are several conversations where the girls are doing nothing, talking not about boys at all. They're talking about the murder situation and like uh baseball they keep talking about baseball scores like they're just normal people and that's what i like about it is that it's it's normal probably because it was written from a girl's point of view but i will say neil and jeff are not they're not scummy guys they're just high school boys i would say they're pretty innocent because they don't ever try to like make moves on the girls they try to flirt with them but they're kind of too awkward to do anything (laughs) like there's this uh, repair woman there's this phone repair woman and another thing about this movie that's cool is like all the background characters are women which like traditional male roles are played by women which I thought was kind of cool also I think the phone I think the repair woman at coach Jana's house was actually like a crew member whereas I think they did hide I think the woman who played the phone repair woman was an actress but they see this woman at their school and they're like oh can I help you and Jeff's trying to like hit on her and she's just, like, not having it. And it's so funny. Because she's being totally polite, but she's just like, yeah, not interested. <laughs> Bye. And I was like, yep, this is, any woman has been in this situation before. Where there's just some guys like, hey, hello, what's up? You're like, I'm trying to work. Please stop, please stop flirting with me. I'm trying to work. Oh, my God. But she's very nice about it. And then she gets pulled into her van and killed with a power drill. 
Yeah. That's our first kill. Um, because we saw in the newspaper that a maniac who's already killed five people has escaped. Yes, and his name is Russ Thorne. Russ Thorne. Yeah. Played by Michael Villalel? Villalel? I could not figure out how to say his last name. Michael Villella. Viella? Maybe Viella. It might be Viella. Um, who took this role super seriously and, like, um, he, he was, like, a method actor and he, like, purposefully did not, like, get to know anybody else in the cast because he wanted to make sure he was the villain to them. Which I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's, like, he was, like, he, like, read Helter Skelter and stuff to prepare for this role. It's very interesting. And he was, like, he was talking about his, like, body technique. He was, like, Stanislavski. And I was like, shit, he's talking about Stanislavski. What? He was, like, an acting coach. And he was talking about body work and how he's like, there's a thing with it wasn't Stanislavski, though, but he was talking about animal work, and he was like, I I took my body movements from um, from the peacock. So you can see, like, he has, like, bird movements with his head and stuff, and I was like, that's cool. He was really into his work. Like, oh. It's just cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I think that's why, like, a lot of people, like, put their all into this movie, and the woman that played Linda said, like, this was the first time she saw herself, like, I guess she'd been a model before, and she hadn't really thought she could act, but she saw this movie and she's like, maybe I can. She made a career of being a B-movie scream queen. So, like, yeah, good for her. Um, but, so Linda goes back in the school and the coach sees her going in. She's like, hey, they're about to lock up. Be careful. Be quick. And, which also, I'm sorry, wouldn't you, like, wouldn't you have waited for your student to leave to make sure she got out? Yeah, you would think. That's the kind you of would- things... I don't think of. And also, like, she was quick, so how did the doors get locked so fast, too? Yeah. So she's trapped. Trapped like a rat. And the serial killer's in there with her. And do you want to take over for a little bit, Britt? Because my throat's getting parched. Oh, no, you're good. So, yeah, so um, the killer's in there with her, and he does attack her. Uh, She manages to get away, and I feel really, really bad because she essentially... uh, does everything in her power to escape. And I would say Mm -hmm. she does everything right. So she finds like a quiet place to hide. She doesn't make noises. She doesn't draw attention to herself. She's not like the idiot that like knocks something over and screams. Um, And he literally walks away. So she has essentially gotten away. And then she's um, the killer. Russ sees um, blood because he, he had basically opened up her arm when he drilled her arm. It was like cut wide open. She's, she's holding pressure to it, but he sees the blood steeps from under the door and he opens up the door and presumably he kills her we don't see him kill her but we know that basically is what happens to her we we do have her see the dead body of the power uh the phone company lady yeah Um, we do yeah which is pretty i forgot you saw that i guess i was like i was doing stuff when i watched it the first time so the second time i watched it, i was like oh well damn that's just a body in the dumpster um yeah so he kills her and it's sad and but i mean i like that like she did try. She did everything in her power. But that is also, like, really sad. Because you're like, ah, dang it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And then I think... Then we have a bunch of fake-out scenes. Yeah, because it's like, um, Diane's, uh... So you, like, see someone driving in a van. At this point, we know Russ has kill, uh, stolen the, like, power work lady's van. And we see him in the van. And then, like, Diane's walking, like, along the road. And then, like, the camera follows her... And it turns out it's her boyfriend, who's, like, uh, looks like a big-ass jock. And, John and like, Minor. Yeah, or, John Minor. 
boo-boo. Boo-boo, yes. And so she, he's like, oh, are you going to be able to get away to that? And she's like, oh, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. So it's definitely, like, this thing that, like, she she wants to hang out with her buddies, but she definitely wants to, like, have sex with her yeah, boyfriend even but more. also, yeah. she, like, won't let Val come over because it's just the girls only, but she then she's not going to show up. Diane, come yeah. on. Jeez. Exactly. But it also, like, it is showing, like, how people get older and they get into relationships. And some people do leave their friends for their relationship. And that's, like, I was talking about this with one of my oldest friends this weekend. Like, we were just talking about, like, some people, when they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or what have you, they, like, completely ignore their friends. And it's always, <laughs> I mean, it's either somebody's, like, unhealthily obsessed with that person or there's something more serious going on. So I always find it a warning sign when, like, you don't see that person for a long time when all they're doing is with their significant other. Because, like, yes, in relationships are important and you should want to spend time with each other, but you will also need, like, outside time. Or else yeah. you can't just have that person be your only friend. That's very unhealthy because, unfortunately, we don't all live the same lives. And if anything ever happens to one of you, like, that's so hard. Like, I saw that when my grandfather died, my grandmother, well, it was more of, like, a lot of her friends had passed away already, so she really didn't have anyone but my grandpa, and it was so, she was so depressed after he passed away that it was just really hard for her to, like, you know, make friends because she just, like, didn't. So, like, I don't know, for me, I've always been, like, if I've been in a relationship, I'm like, I still have to maintain friendships. You can't just let your friends away. And in Diane's defense... She does make the effort to go with her friends, but she is a fake out scene. And then uh, Coach Jana also has a fake out scene where she like comes home and there's a drill that comes right through her door. And she's like, oh, my God. And it's this repair woman. She's like, oh, just putting your peephole in for you. And she's like, oh, thanks, friend. And you're like, OK. And then Trish. OK, this scene kind of got me because I don't know if you've seen. I think you've watched I'll Be Gone in the Dark, right? Uh, I've seen the first episode. I haven't seen the whole okay. series. I don't remember what episode this was in, but one of the early victims of the East Area Rapist, she told her story, and she was very young when it happened. She was probably between 14 and 16, I want to say. Um, and this was, she she survived. This was when he was strictly raping people. Um, not that that's any better, but I'm just saying, like, this was, his his MO at this point was, get into somebody's house, rape them, and leave them. So, um, she was at home alone playing the piano. Yes, this was the first episode. Yes, and he came behind her and stuff. So, Trish is, and I, this was after the East Era Rapist was around, so I don't know if, I feel like she did come forward at some point, like pretty, like a couple years after it happened. I'm trying to remember her individual story. But this this reminded me so much of that story. I wonder if Rita Mae Brown had heard about it. And maybe that's what, what an inspiration was. Or it's just a complete coincidence. But I thought it was weird because that was happening in California when this yeah. was going on. Like, I th- it might have been when he was being a little quieter. But that happened in the 70s and the 80s. So, in California. So, I was like, I wonder if this is, was this, like, inspired by the East Era Rapist? Slash Golden State Killer. Um, but so she, Trish is like, hi, I'm at home. And then she, she thinks she hears somebody. She's talking on the phone. She's like, oh, let me go downstairs. I think someone's here. And the door is open, but she doesn't see anybody. She's like, I guess I'll just sit down and play on my piano. You're like, 
okay. I mean, I sing when I'm at home, so I guess it's not that weird. But she's playing the piano, and she hears somebody, and she runs to the door, and it's Mr. Content. And he's just like, hey, I saw the door open. I was worried about you. You want me to hang out till your friends get here? She's like, oh, thanks. That'd be nice, because I'm a little freaked out being at home alone. And I was like, girl, same. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, I, I kind of like that they have a bunch of fake-out scenes. There's even one with Valerie, because she's next door, taking care of her kid sister, Courtney. Which, I'm sorry. <laughs> I like Courtney. Courtney's, like, one of my favorite characters. I, I know, I like Courtney. her, too. Oh my god! You 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 tell us about Courtney because I I love Courtney. She's so funny. Yeah, I, Courtney is funny. So she's obviously um, she's Valerie's little sister, and if Valerie's probably like seventeen, eighteen, we're probably going to take a guess and say Courtney's like maybe fourteen, fifteen. So probably like a freshman compared to you know Val being a senior, and she's I think very she much has to be sixteen because she says something about no, maybe she is fifteen. Never mind. I might be remembering it wrong. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. But she's very much like a snot nose kind of brat. <laughs> but like, but well, like also the girl hormones. Yeah. So like at one point, like she uh, steals Valerie's Playgirl from the mattress, and she's just like looking at it, like very nonchalant. And and Valerie's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm doing my biology homework, and I need to focus." And she's like, "Will you please not tear out the centerfold like you did last time?" Like. Oh, and, and Sylvester Stallone's on the front, which made me yes. laugh. Yes. Also, I think, I'm not sure, but I don't think the actress was actually reading Playgirl because it looked like there was a magazine within the magazine, like, when she was holding it, which maybe was what a centerfold is. I've never bought a Playgirl, so I don't really know. Is I don't even know if they're in print anymore. Yeah, I think they still are. I want to say they are. And a centerfold is like, so it's like uh, three full pages. So instead of okay. like the normal yeah. two pages, it's three full pages of like a naked man. Which is so. what I thought it was. But then like it looked like there was a separate whole magazine within the magazine. And I was like, uh, did, did I? I thought I knew what a centerfold was. But maybe I'm an idiot. Because I personally have never really been interested in Playgirl magazine. Sorry. I mean, maybe it's because we live in the age of the internet. And if I wanted to see... A naked dude, I could just Google it, you know. I don't yeah. really Google that that often, though. I mean, no offense, <laughs> I don't really get the. I don't get the fantasy of seeing people dressed up in like risque positions. Like, I'd rather just. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. A, I'm sorry. I'm boring. <laughs> no, but. you're not boring. It's 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 completely valid and normal. I don't know very many people that look at Playgirl, but. My dad used to look at Playboy, so I'm very familiar with what a centerfold well, looks like. So I think, <laughs> so. I think also, like, it's more of a thing when you're younger, because it's just a curiosity thing. I think when you're, like, 13, 14, you're very curious about sex and the, and the human body, um, especially the opposite sex, because you don't see that every day. Um, Very true. You know, so I think I think that's when people are more, which is ironic because like those are definitely like quote unquote adult magazines, but I feel like I don't really I don't have a lot of like guy friends who have Playboy or like porn unless they're watching Pornhub. Like I don't yeah. really know a lot of guys. Why are we talking? We were talking about porn in the last episode I edited for Don't Look Now too, and like I I don't really I'm not a big porn connoisseur, but for some reason it comes up. But um. Like, I feel like the people that really are into porn are people that are much younger than the intended audience because they're curious about sex, which I don't know if that's, like, a societal thing. Like, maybe – I've heard a lot of people be like, well, maybe if we talked about sex more, 
openly, people wouldn't be as into, like, hiding their dirty magazines. And people would, wouldn't even, like, be into dirty magazines because they just understand what sex is. And I'm like, that might be a thing. Or maybe people are just dirty and, you know, that's fine. Not dirty. Yeah. That sounds really judgmental. I'm just like, maybe people <laughs> are just, maybe they just like it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I like Courtney and I like her and Valerie's relationship because like, she's like, you didn't even get invited to the party. She's like, yeah, I did, but I was going to hang out with you, which isn't completely true. What would she have done if, um, she had gone? I guess she would sit there awkwardly because I feel like anytime you have like people that known each other for years and you're kind of like new to the fold, you just kind of listen to the conversation. I mean, sometimes maybe you feel... I don't know. Yeah. Like, natural around people. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we were talking about Courtney, though. Courtney. Courtney is one of my faves. I love Courtney. But, yeah. Yes. She's just, like, she's funny. I don't know. I, and, yeah. She's a, she's a curious, hormonal teenager, but she's also kind of, like, the annoying kid sister. And she's a lot of really funny one-liners. And I feel like she's corny enough without overdoing it. Yeah. Like, she's a little corny, but she's not, like, overacting too much. Just enough. Just yeah. enough of, like, <laughs> I'm going to, like, sneak in. <laughs> like, she makes a couple little, like, corny faces. But, um, yeah, she's pretty funny. Um, and it, it's a nice, like, comedic thing. Also, I love, like, she's talking on the on the phone with her friend. She's like, oh, my God, he stuck his tongue down my throat. I thought I was going to gag. And it's just so funny. I was like, yeah, that's kind of how you sound when you're in high school. Yep. Um, yeah, so where are we now in the plot? Hmm. So we know, um, so we know that the girls have started to arrive at the party and that, um, Kim has, uh, the beer and marijuana and she's yes. like talking about like, look at my marijuana and then Maui Mr. Wowie. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Contran, um, is like, okay, I won't tell if you won't tell your parents I scared you. And she's like, oh, okay. So yeah. Okay. Yes. So, oh, and I think this is interesting because it's Jackie and Kim and um, Trish, and they're the first three at the party, and they're like, we better smoke this before Diane gets here, because it seems like Diane's a bit of a blowhard. Like, she's the friend that is kind of a bitch and kind of annoying. Like, they love her, but it sounds like maybe she's a bit of a wet blanket, which is funny because she's keeping them from inviting other people, but she's the one that, like, kind of is the party the mood dampener it seems like so they're like or maybe she just doesn't approve of pot i don't know but um they're like just hanging out talking and they're kind of talking about diane and her boyfriend they're like and they make a lot of like dick jokes and it's pretty funny but again i don't think i don't think this would count as like not passing the bechdel test because like they're joking about her, their friend's relationship they're not just talking about oh i love this boy mm-hmm. like but honestly the bechdel test is not a fail fail proof like feminist movie thing because like star wars doesn't pass the bechdel test but i would call princess leia a feminist figure just because two women don't have a conversation not about men doesn't mean like i don't know i kind of feel like just like i don't know i think the bechdel test is a nice thing but i don't think it's hard and fast about like oh this isn't a feminist piece of fiction because there's not a scene where two women talk about a subject that isn't about men because i'm like eh, if the movie's about relationships and the relationship is with a man that makes sense like when harry met sally i feel like most conversations are about relationships whether it's yeah 
like all the men's conversations are also about relationships. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I'm not saying when Harry met Sally isn't really a feminist piece of work, but it's an interesting, like, look at relationships. So anyways, but, uh, yeah. So, um, and then Diane gets there and she's like the only one not in her pajamas yet. So she's like, well, I'll go get firewood since everyone else is wearing their pajamas, which I was like, oh, that's nice of her. So she goes out to the garage and she sees Miss, there's a, someone behind her with a butcher knife and they're killing snails. Which Really? I did not like that. Yeah, I didn't either. I don't think, I think they killed a real snail. Yeah, that's why I need to look up. I actually forgot to look that up. I'm usually really good about that kind of stuff. And I actually did not look that one so, up. But it Trigger looked about a snail death. Yeah. Um, which isn't, like, the saddest animal death, but I don't really... Snails don't bother me. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to, like... Excuse me. I'm not going to kill one just because. Um, but it's just for content. And then Diane's like, can my dad go snail hunting, too? And I was like, really? Because I don't know anyone who goes snail hunting, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, Weirdos. But unfortunately... Um, Instead of him killing his 54th snail of the night, um, he gets penetrated by a power drill by Russ Thorne. So he becomes victim number three. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) And then we see Neil and Jeff sneak in to spy on the girls. So they sneak in to the outside of the party and they're spying on the girls. And of course, like, okay, this is a little bit. Again, I think they did this because of the producer. Everyone's getting changed in their pajamas. But they're in the living room, and the window's open, and they're just, like, just butt-ass naked changing. And I was just like, I don't... I mean, I have changed in front of friends, but usually, like, in my bedroom. Yeah, like, not, really, like, with like, the... <laughs> I don't really... I don't really get just topless in my living room, and then I'm just like, oh, let me put on my pajamas. I was like, wouldn't you go to, like, upstairs? But whatever, it's fine. Um, by the way, that house is, all those houses used in that movie are real, and they're all next to each other in real That's life. That's amazing. Again, yeah, this is a very <laughs> cheaply made movie, so they obviously had to find houses that looked right. So I think it actually was filmed in a real house, because there's somebody who, this was on a documentary about it, at the end of the documentary, they were like, hey, we found the house, and actually all three are next to each other. And they, the people who owned the house at the time that they made this documentary, which I think was several years ago, um... They let them inside, and they were like, oh, my God, is that an original fireplace? They are like, well, actually, we had an earthquake, so we had it rebuilt, but it's it, they redid it exactly the same. So they are like, but everything else is pretty much the same as before. So, yeah, those houses really exist, and um, they're really next door to each other. And they're cool houses, too. Like, they're, like, a really cool brick with, like, big open porches and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so um, Neil and Jeff are, like, um, spying on the girls being real immature um and they decide that they're going to fix the fuse box and um i think that's this part yeah so the boys decide the lights go out and the girls go outside to fix the fuse box like oh my god we blew a fuse and they go outside and one of them kim has like a giant flashlight and um the um they see that not the fuse box isn't blown, but the fuses are missing. Which yeah. fuse boxes nowadays don't look like that. No, not at all. I was like, how did she know what was missing? Because I just know I can flip it off and flip it back on. Right? That's all I know. Um, so I was very impressed that she knew which fuses to flip. 
Um, but so, um, so they the boys try to scare them, and Kim whacks Jeff in the face with that giant flashlight, and gives him a shiner. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, yeah, of course that's what was going to happen. So yeah, I that none of these girls are like <laughs> victims that aren't going to try to protect themselves. Yeah, like, I, I, they're all like they, they're going to try. Um, and they go back inside, and I think before this, they were over, they were listening to Diane's conversation with her boyfriend, Boo Boo, and Boo Boo wants to come over and make out in the garage with Diane. So they're hanging out with Jeff and Neil inside, talking about sports, baseball, they're trying to figure out which player made what run in a specific sports game the night before, and, um, Diane's like, hey, I'm gonna go out for beer with, um, John, I'll be back later, and like everyone's everyone's being like you don't need to go patricia's like no no no. she wants to get some beer because she like understands she's like i get it i get it you want to go have sex with your boyfriend and then you're going to come back later and hang out and it's going to be fine because she's like the good friend who understands like trisha's uh, john in fact says that before he's like just talk to trisha she's very understanding um yeah he wants to like just do it in their garage and it's like uh she's like oh yeah, I just don't think that's cool because they they might like walk in and it'd be kind of weird. Um, and then Diane goes back outside and kisses Boo Boo on the head, and um, Boo Boo's head falls off. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, and then like, of course, like so she's trying to honk the horn to get everyone's attention and screaming, but they're making daiquiris with a blender and they don't hear her, and which is kind of funny, um, but also kind of sad. And um, she gets cornered, and there's this really cool, like, uh, blocking, where, like, uh, she's on the ground, and he's holding the power drill blade between his legs, so it's very Very obvious. Very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious symbolism. But it's it's a cool, it's a cool look, and then he kind of, he penetrates her and kills her. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, and then I think the next scene is when they're waiting, oh, oh, they call Coach Jana. Who, who her cat scared her earlier, which was cute. Like, she thinks someone's in her house, so you think she's going to get killed. And she doesn't, because it's just her cat in, the, in her closet, which is really funny. Um, but they call Coach Jana, because they're still trying to figure out that um, score. And I love this part, because, so they're all hanging out. Um, Jeff and Neil are, like, I guess they're letting the boys hang out with them. And they're like, oh, it's the pizza guy, I totally forgot. And they go to the door, and they're like, how much is it? Like, and, and you just hear six and you're like or he says like it's up to six now or something like that and they're like okay it's six bucks so they open the pizza door or the door to the for the pizza guy and he's dead his eyes are drilled through um and And he's a six person yeah exactly yeah funny because it was the murderer saying it i was like i got that the second time i watched i was like ah that's funny um, yeah, so, and they're like, oh, shit, there's a murderer, and they, they close the door, and, um, they Val, tried, what? yeah, oh, you go on, I'm sorry, no, I was no, getting no, ahead no, of myself, no. no, I was about to say, they tried to make the, make a phone call, but he cuts the lines, yes, yeah, and Coach Jana hears them screaming, and they hang up on her to call 911, <laughs> and they don't get their address fully out, and again, this is a different time where I don't think they could track your address by your phone number, at this point, so they probably couldn't have sent anyone um, without the address. So that's why you always give them the address first when you call 911. You say, hi, I'm so-and-so at this address. 
and this is my emergency. Don't tell them the emergency first. You tell them the address so they send somebody. Uh, just, you know, just for future reference. Um, which just always bothers me when you hear 911 calls of, like, murder victims where, like, their murderer called in. Like, they never, they keep trying to ask them, like, where is it? And I was like, oh, my God, they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty. Just tell them the address. Um, I don't know if you ever listen to those 911 calls, but they are frightening sometimes. Anyways, so he cuts the phone line. So now they're, like, without anything, but they have the door barricaded or whatever. And this is when, like, okay, oh, and Coach Jana calls Val and Courtney, and they're like, hey, she's like, is everything okay next door? They were calling me, and the phone line went dead, and I'm just worried about them. They're like, oh, we did hear screams earlier, but we thought they were just being silly. And she's like, maybe you should go check. And then she's like, no, 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 I'll come check, because she's the adult. Which I was like, okay, but why wouldn't you bring someone else? Right. Don't go alone. She said, I'll go alone. I was like, why? Why would you go alone? I don't understand. Um, and then, um, what happens next? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 I think her and Courtney explore, and they have turned off all the lights. Oh, no, 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 they don't yet. They don't yet, because Courtney, okay, so they turn off all the lights, they, um, they, they close all the curtains, and they're mm-hmm. just like, they're like, okay, oh. and the boys, the boys make this plan, and once again, it's really funny, because the girls decide to stay together, but the boys are like, we gotta yeah. protect the girls, and let's, we're gonna yes. take off running for different directions in the house for different doors which is is maybe maybe it's a commentary on like toxic masculinity and male roles and stuff because like trisha's like jeff do you really (laughs) think that's a good idea and he's like no it's the right thing to do and i was like but is it smart It, it come on come on dude and so they decide to run in two opposite directions they're like oh one of us will make it spoiler alert they don't no uh which is really sad because they're not bad guys. They're nice guys and they are trying to help. But also, like, one of them runs for Val's house and one of them runs for the garage. And the one who runs the garage, which I'm sorry, I know, I think Jeff is the one that runs to Val's house and Neil's the one that runs to the other house. Oh, you went away for a second. Yeah, You're you back. did too. You're back. Um, so Neil, I think, runs the garage and almost immediately gets killed. Um, and then Jeff runs to Val's, and he does get to her house, but Val's watching a horror movie, and she can't hear him. Actually, it was, I think it's Hollywood Boulevard, which I'm pretty sure the director edited, I think. Like, it was, like, one of her early projects. Like, she didn't direct it. She was, like, she worked on it, though. Um, but, yeah, so he goes, and it's, like, one of those comedic, like, I can't hear you, blah, blah, blah. And when she finally does hear him, he's left and so she's like oh shit i don't know what's going on um and then he does make it back to the house but then he kills him it's yeah. sad it's kind of sad um yeah and i think val is going over oh yeah that's when val comes over so she mm-hmm. goes over and um after her sister scares her and um, Jackie insists that they have to let her in. Because Jackie's like, no, no, he's going to get her. And, like, poor Jackie. She's just trying to be nice. She's trying to save another person. Um, but um, by the time Jackie opens the door, Val's already gone around to see if the back door is open. Because no one's answered the door. And Russ is there. And he kills Jackie by slashing her throat. And I will say, someone pointed this out. She 
dies in the most graceful fashion. She just looks like a beautiful pirouette. She's like, oh, yeah, and just falls gracefully. And you're just like, wow, that's a good way to go. Good job, Jackie. And she um, did get her pizza before she died, so you know. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Before that was the infamous pizza scene where they were hanging out and they were like, she was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's not going to eat the pizza. It's fine. Uh, it's the pizza cold. Uh, I love it. Um, so basically, Kim and Trish are the only ones left now. And they run upstairs. And they're barricading in the room. And this is like, I, I loved this because it was like an exploration about how people think. Because they heard Val at the door. So they're talking about like, who is this person? Why do you want to kill us? Like, why is Val here? Does he know Val or something? And um, then they're like, well, that would be a really big overreaction to not being invited to the party. And uh, so they're just like, but it's just like jealousy and just like, like, what? why would this person be doing this to us? It's a very interesting thing. But while they're talking about it and the door is barricaded, he comes in through the window. Yeah. Because apparently they didn't lock the windows. Of course. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, oh my gosh. Um, so he gets in and uh, unfortunately kills Kim, which sucks. And, um, Trish escapes and runs, I think, into her parents' closet and hides in a garment bag, which was very smart. Um, and so he can't find Trish, but he's, like, still looking, walking around the house. And Val and Court come in. He want to call it Court, because it's Val and Court. Val and Court. Val and Courtney. Um, and this is one of my favorite, like, physical jokes of the movie if you know what i'm talking about it's very reminiscent of clue as well um because if you've ever seen clue there's a scene where like they they go in to look for the the cook and they open the fridge and she just like slowly falls out on professor plum i think no mr green i'm sorry falls out on mr green it's really funny um but like so i guess he stuffed kim's body in the fridge and so, like, they can't see from their angle, but Court keeps trying to go look into the fridge for beer, and then Valerie's closed the door. But you keep seeing Kim's body just, like, lean out, lean back in, lean out, lean back in, lean out. And then finally, Courtney goes back to sneak some beer, and she falls out of the refrigerator with a knife in her, in her chest, and she's like, oh my god! So then they're like, oh, shit. And then they think they run into Russ. And they're like, yes. oh, my God. And uh, Valerie distracts him and is able to run downstairs. And she tells Courtney to run. But instead of Courtney, just hides under the couch. But he doesn't see yeah. her. So she's safe. Um, and that's when Coach Jana shows up. And he is so creepy. Because he's just like, ooh, everyone's so pretty. And he, like, puts a blanket over himself. And so Coach Jana comes in. And I don't know why... She heard a bunch of screaming. Why would you move a blanket? Wouldn't you just call 911 before you walked over there? I mean, and why didn't she stop it? Maybe she did stop at Val's house first, but, like, when Val wasn't there, I would have, like, gotten Val's phone, you know, and called 911. But Coach Jana actually, with Courtney's foot helping trip Russ up, does manage to, like, incapacitate him for a little while. And then Trish comes downstairs and stabs him in the back, but he's not dead, and he ends up killing Coach Jana. And then, like, it, the, the ending just happens real quick. Like, then, like, Val cut. This is great. This is great. Val cuts his power drill in half. She yeah. emasculates him. Emasculates him. him. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then she also chops his hand off. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, fuck you. Um, and apparently the actor who played Russ 
hated water, but it's this takes place, they run to the pool, and this is when this happens, so he had to spend a lot of time in the water, and he hated it. Um, but um, he's still not dead, and Courtney comes out to, like, hug her sister and be like, oh, thank God, and he's still not dead. So it takes, like, Trish, Courtney, and Valerie to basically just stab him to death, and he finally dies, and it just kind of ends. Yeah. It just ends, like, two, it's like Trish and Valerie are crying, and Courtney's just kind of shocked. Like, sitting there in shock, like, crying. And it's like, yeah, it's the end. So it's a very yeah. abrupt ending. So, mm-hmm. But I do like that final scene, like, with all three of the girls kind of working together. And it's really, really interesting that, like, it's like, you know, one of the main girls that dies first is, um, dies because she leaves to go with her her boyfriend and it's like the boys die because they they don't stick together as a group um i also find this really interesting um that this killer that russ wears jeans like jeans with dress shoes did you see that too yeah they look like italian like boots or something yeah and i like how i like how normal it's like he's scary but he's defeatable like you know also like he looks like a dork (laughs) yeah He's wearing, like, a red t-shirt and a denim jacket and denim pants and, like, little booties. And I was like, y'all, you you are trying too hard, my son. Uh, like, I would not. He also, like, I don't know where he found those clothes, though. Maybe he got them off somebody else. But, um, because he obviously was in prison before. Um, but, yeah, he's very defeatable. And also, like, Trish asks him, like, why are you doing this? I don't even know you. And he's like, y'all are just so pretty. And she's just like, he's like, I love you. And she's like, what the fuck? And that's because apparently he read Helter Skelter and a lot of the people that murdered people in Helter Skelter, the book, um, said it was because they loved them. That's why they killed them. And I was like, that's fucking fucked up. But okay. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, he's very defeatable. And I love when they defeat him. And yeah, but, so the sequels, the the first sequel, Summer Party Massacre 2, Courtney is the main character. But it's played by a different actress. And she is going away for the weekend. Valerie's apparently in an asylum because she um, went crazy after the traumatic incidents of the first movie. They don't even mention Trish at all, so... uh. But uh, Courtney doesn't want to go visit her sister. But she keeps having these dreams of her sister telling her not to go all the way. And so she goes away for the weekend so she can go all the way with this guy she likes... And, and she's with her friends, but they're in a band together, like a girl band, and she keeps having these dreams of a guy with a guitar with a drill at the end of it, and then he, like, it's almost like Nightmare on Elm Street, like, he comes out of her dreams, but only after she has sex. So, yeah. it's literally a movie telling you, don't have sex, because you will die. Um, exactly. So, it's very, it's not as, not as well written, and, but I do think all three of them were directed by women. So, I don't know if they were all yeah. written by women, but I think they were all directed by women. I, I, I do not remember. I think I one. read that they were written and directed by women is what I feel. So, it's it's interesting. I guess, now that that's the end of the movie, was there anything you liked that we didn't mention yet? No, not really. Um, I think we hit on a lot of key points. I liked how there was, there was a smart movie within this movie. Like, yes. it was hidden in there, and unfortunately, I think a lot of the humorous moments were ahead of the time, too, because I, I think this was still a point in horror where we didn't see a lot of comedic horror. 
Um, that's still yes. more relatively new. So I think a lot of the moments that were comedic, people probably felt very flat about. And I think now that we live in this age, I feel like that's something that, you know, we can find enjoyable about this movie, that there is, like, these very nice comedic moments. Um, I would love to have gotten my hands on the original script and just read it. Yeah, I'm sure it does exist somewhere. Uh, ironically, according to the director, they didn't get to have a fancy premiere, but they had a premiere just in a regular cinema, with reg- and it sold out, and audiences loved it. They were laughing hysterically. So they did get it. They got yeah. the comedy. They were laughing and screaming, and they had, like, the best premiere ever because, like, the audience just loved it. So I think the audience, it was... I, I credit this and Evil Dead with kind of introducing horror comedy to audiences because yeah. this is much smaller, much smaller scale. Evil Dead reached a lot more people, but I think this one is almost more of a horror comedy than Evil Dead is. Because Evil Dead, the first one, it's kind of, like, taking itself seriously, but it's not super, like, we all know, like, it's kind of campy and stuff, but it's kind of taking itself seriously. It's not really until the second movie where it really gets goofy. Like, although I don't find the first Evil Dead, except for the tree scene. Like, the rape with the trees. That's, that, I don't like. I mean, like, it's a little scary. But most of it isn't, like, scary scary. It's mostly, like, campy scary. But I don't think until, like, the second and third Evil Dead did it really get to be, like, a comedy and a horror movie. Like, from what I've seen. Um, And I could, it's been a while since I've watched Evil Dead all the way through. Because we started watching it on Halloween and then we kind of turned it off because we weren't really watching it. Um, because we were talking, like, but again, I've seen it before. Um, but, um, I do think it's, I I credit that in Evil Dead with horror comedy, because there weren't a lot of horror comedies until this time period, I feel like. I can't think of anything else that's, like, truly a horror comedy. Um, I can't either from this period. Like, I think of Evil Dead... I think of this movie now, I think of a lot more recent movies that are horror comedies, yeah. but not really in that decade. Yeah, I think American Werewolf in London also com- would be a horror comedy, but that was a way- while later. Yeah. Uh, and well, Gremlins. American Werewolf in London, I think, was early 80s, but I would say there was moments of dark humor, but I would say overall, to me, it's a horror film. Really? I kind of thought it was funny. I mean, it was fun. It's, like, funny. Like, there's funny moments, but, I mean... That transformation scene is some scary shit, like... True. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to look at what the year was. 1981, so it was the year before this movie. Yeah, I knew it was early 80s for sure. Okay, so I mean, like, so yeah, so this is... They were were starting to get into that genre. Yeah. And it is hard, because I think it is hard to meld genres successfully. And so I think this was maybe not as... um, not as much of a smooth like i think you're right american werewolf in london has more dark humor so it's more of a smooth transition between the two genres whereas this is a little bit more like it's still a transition but it's like if if, if it's a plane landing um this one is the guy who has hit turbulence and the wheels fell off and american werewolf in london is like a guy landing like a duck on the ocean like you know, it's it's like a, a, you know, it's different. It's a smooth landing. And this one ain't so much a smooth landing, but it's a fun landing. Like, you survive it, and you're like, well, that was a life experience. Um, <laughs> which is, I think Evil Dead's a little bit messy, too. But the first one, like, they, they get, 
I love Evil Dead. I feel like I'm being really critical of it. I think it's a really fun movie, and I I think I like Evil Dead more for the special effects aspect than, like, the actual plot in the original movie. I think the second one has a lot more depth to it, even though it's really silly, but it has more depth to it, and it has more lore to it, and the first one's just kind of... It's just kind of like... It's like a Cabin in the Woods movie, you know, but it's like the original, so... You know, it's interesting. Um, anyways, I, I do like that. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, I, I like that it's written by women and directed by women. A lot of the crew members were women, yeah. which I think was cool. Um, but we're not devoid of men. Yeah. Like, it's not like a movie where the men only exist to be bimbos. Um, like, some movies might have women just being bimbos. Um, sorry, they're not actual bimbos, but you know what I mean. Like, like yeah, sex objects. Yeah, the characters, yeah. Sorry, for lack of a better word, I'm sorry. Uh, b- sex objects. Like, the men have personalities, too, and they are around. Like, we see her dad, we see Mr. Content, we see Neil and Jeff, and we see the boyfriends. And, like, so they're still around, but it's mostly about the female characters. Um, so I think it's the best kind of, like, feminist film stuff, because I think sometimes people are like, we just not going to, uh, like, include the men. I'm like, but then that's not really feminism because, you know, feminism is more, I mean, for me, it's more based on equal rights, not more rights for women than men. It's like, let's of course, equally, no matter yeah. what gonads. Um, so, like, to me, I'm like, I, I prefer movies that, like, don't, like, and, like, aren't, like, just man-hating because I don't find that, even though there is definitely a commentary on toxic masculinity and like like dick issues uh, <laughs> people who are inadequate like people with nowadays people have giant pickup trucks when they have tiny penises this guy had a power drill you know i mean maybe he didn't have a tiny dick but i mean possibly i feel like he did yeah um but it's not just about that like it's not just that and it's not that basist um, and it's, it's very symbolic. All the penis imagery, all the phallic stuff is all very, like, symbolic. And if you get it, you get it. But I feel like you could not get it and still enjoy this movie, which is why I like it. Yeah, a lot. And there's, yeah, I think that's all, yeah. I mean, I like that even though the producers added all this smut and nudity to it, you can still hear sarcasm in, like, every line of dialogue. And it's great. Yeah. Um, it, it has a voice, and I, I like the dynamic of Courtney and Valerie, and, um, yeah, I think I said everything I like. The only thing is I don't really like is, like, the nudity is a little gratuitous, but I understand why it's there, so, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not against it, you know, because I get, she had to do it to get the movie made. Yeah. I agree with that. I would say I like that. It's fun. I love that it's a short running time because mm-hmm. I can, I can chill. I mean, some of the best movies ever made are long movies and it's just because they're epic films. Um, so I don't really have a problem with long, long movies, but I do like a movie that like I can sit in just one sitting and really enjoy it. That's like really, really nice. Yes. Yeah. So. It's nice to not have to put away a whole afternoon for it. And maybe because we just did the Wailing, which was yeah. really good. But I feel like the wailing was a little too long, in my opinion, which it is the only real negative about the wailing was that it was just really long. It was almost three hours long. Yeah. And I feel like Audition was like 
two, what was it, two and a half hours? No, I think, maybe, no, it was like an hour and 45, hour and 45, I feel. Maybe it was. I thought it was two, though. But, I mean, it's not, but again, it, it has a lot going on, but it didn't drag. So, like, yeah, but we've done a lot of, like, long movies. So, it's nice to have, like, a short, concise movie that, like, the plot, it moves along. It moves yeah. along. Um, yeah, and I, again, it's completely a B-movie. So, like, if it's not, it's not smart. I mean, it is no. smart. There is a smart movie there, like you said. But it's not like it's not like a cerebral film. No, this definitely not. This isn't The Lighthouse, y'all. No. Like, although, The Lighthouse has some nudity and humor, too. But in a very different <laughs> way. You um, like my lobster. Oh, I love the lobster. Yeah, no. I was just saying, like, you like my lobster. Like, just uh, William, William Defoe yelling at I, Rob Pat over the lobster. Yes. we should just watch it again we really need it we should have dressed up like them for halloween that would have been amazing yeah but your costume was really good though thank you thank you i love your costume too thanks i know we didn't coordinate but they both turned out really well yeah i've I've been in a couple for the last 10 halloweens so like i've always like coordinated with somebody else it was kind of nice just be like i'm just gonna pick my own costume and i feel like it seems like taylor doesn't really like to dress up for halloween uh, he does sometimes, but he just wasn't feeling it as much this year as he has in the past. I know. I understand if people... Uh, for me, I was like, I have to dress up just to defy this year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I feel that way. For sure. Uh, that's But that's how I get my frustration out with 2020, is uh, making myself look like the Bride of Frankenstein. Also, I forgot, my parents totally have a Frankenstein stuffed animal. Oh, Not stuffed animal, stuffed toy. Stuffed animal. Stuffed toy. That I forgot they, I was like, I thought I had one and it was at my parents' house. And I saw it when I went over this weekend because they hadn't put all their Halloween stuff away. And I was like, dang it, I should have carried that around for my Halloween costume. Because it wouldn't Aww. make more sense, but it's fine. Um, also, I probably would have like left it at your house. So, because like, that's something like I would forget. <laughs> so, it's all good. Um... But yeah, that's. I mean, I. What do you have a rating for it? Uh, I would probably. Par- okay, I don't have a very good rating rating, but I um personally, I'd probably give it seven out of ten. Um, it is a B movie. Um, so, but I do like the runtime. I do like the the kind of fun little. Um, I like the dialogue. I like the quips that it has. I like the visual gags that it has, which is really cool. So, but yeah. at the same time, it's not. You don't really gain anything by watching it either. It's just a fun movie. Um, I would love to see the movie it could have been. But, so 7 out of 10 rating. Um, and then I rated this one D for Drill Dicks. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I also gave it a 7 out of 10, by the way. Okay. I wrote it down before we started. So, Ooh. totally agree. Because I was like, 7 out of 10 for a B movie. Like, it's a B movie, but I think it's a strong B movie. Um, most B movies for me probably get a five out of 10 because yeah. I watch them laugh at like the terrible things. And then I kind of turn it off if it's not a, unless it's like the room or Birdemic where it's actually like hilarious to watch. Um, and then I had, I had two, one I'm kind of making it work. Um, the other one I think maybe is better. The first one is rated F for feminism and phallic symbols, which <laughs> it's not a, they're not both F, but, you know, the alliteration. Um, and then the other one is rated P for power drilling, phallic symbols, rune parties. I like that one. It's long, but I like it. Okay. I like it, too. I, yeah. I like rated 
rated P. Um, but yeah, I know that that was better. But yeah, they do ruin parties. Like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> toxic masculinity. Also, like, I kind of like that this movie isn't like over the top in their feminism. Like, I again. Obviously, I'm a woman. I'm a feminist. I mean, maybe that's not obvious. I don't know. Because I know some women who are like, I don't understand how they live with themselves. They're like, I am to serve my husband. I'm sorry if you're religious. I'm religious too. But I just, I, I just, I just think God is okay with women being in places of power. I don't think he really meant us to take that quite that literally. Anyways, um, but like sometimes messages can get stuffed in your throat and that can take the place of like entertainment. And I like that this movie has an agenda, but they're not stuffing it down your throat. They're entertaining you to give you their agenda that you can take or leave. And I like those kinds of movies where it's just like, we're going to present this to you. We're not going to stuff it down your throat and we're not going to be angry about it. We're just going to present this theory of, you know, feminism in a horror movie. So I kind of, yeah, I, I like the way this movie talks. Anyways, so, uh, but again, I kind of wish Rita Mae Brown had written the sequels. Yeah. Because, like, the sequels just seem kind of stupid. Um, and again, I haven't watched the sequels. I've watched parts of them. I haven't, like, sat down and watched them in a really long time. So, but I've seen this movie several times. So, um, yeah. But this one definitely has a better feel, I think. Personally. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I guess... It's that time again, and the time to pick a movie, and I think you've made a good pick. Yes, thank you, thank you. So we were talking about doing movies that were like either A, Christmas movies, which, like Christmas horror movies, which there is a handful, um, believe mm-hmm. it or not, or B, I suggested also um, doing movies that take place maybe in like a snowy landscape, so something winter reminiscent, and I came upon a movie that I absolutely love. Um, it is a foreign film. It does have an American remake that's pretty decent, but of course, you know, I'm very big proprietor of watching the originals first, um, and it is... Let the right one in. Well, if you get the reference, this movie was actually named after a Smith song, and I love the Smiths. Um, so, yes. Um, so, Let the Right One In, which is streaming on Hulu. Um, it is a 2008 Swedish film. And it's one of those movies that's very surprising. It's, uh, it is a scary movie, but it's also a coming-of-age film. Um, my favorite type of movies tend to be that way. They may be multi-genre, and I love coming-of-age movies. A lot of my favorite movies fall into that bracket. So, Yeah, I, was, I would say this last movie we watched was almost a coming-of-age, too, and I was kind of like getting the feels for like, oh, high school. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't seen this movie yet, but it's been on my list. It was one of Brit's, I think, Halloween movies mm-hmm. that I wanted to watch, but I was also like, I want something more Halloween-y. But yeah. I think this is a good time, because, like, winter is cold and creepy and snowy. Although we don't get snow in the South very often. But, uh, you know, there's snow other places. I, my cousins that live in Minnesota already have snow in October for Halloween. I was like, I, well, I am and I am not jealous um also there's a yeah like i don't have to shovel it so i can be like oh it's so pretty but like when you have to live in it it's not fun when you have snow in october um also by the way if you have amazon prime there's like three other subscription services that are add-ons monsters and nightmares uh warriors and gangsters and magnolia selects and amc plus 
So if you don't have Hulu, but you have some of those, you can also watch it that way. Um, but yeah, I have heard a lot of really good things about this movie. I've kept myself in the dark about a lot of it. Although I know a big plot point, but I don't know like the ending or anything like that. Um, I've avoided spoilers because this is one of those movies I want to sit down and watch. So I'm excited. Yes. I think it'll be a good like wintry film. Because, again, there are some Christmas horror movies. There's not a ton of great ones. Although, I feel like we could probably do, like, a really stupid one. Because there's some stupid Christmas horror movies out there. Or we could just do a Hallmark movie as a joke. So. I actually watched a Hallmark Christmas movie that was, like, a ghost movie the other night with my mom. And Wait, I, which one is it? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it's Hallmark or if it's Lifetime, but it's called... Uh, the, the Christmas Spirit. Spirit? The Spirit of Christmas. I've watched that every year for the past three years because it's it's so funny to me. Oh my god! Okay, yes. Okay, is Hallmark he, is, movies. Is he is he alive at the end or is she like? With, I don't I'm sorry, know. spoilers, spoilers. Uh, or is she with a ghost forever? That like? Um, no, 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 no. I think he's alive now. Okay, okay, he's um, alive. Okay. I think it's called The Spirit of Christmas, and it's been yeah. on Netflix the last few yep, years. It is on Netflix right now. Yeah, so, okay, let me tell you my story time, again, with my my background with the spirit of Christmas. So, like, I was, like, wrapping other people's Christmas presents on my birthday by myself. It was the weirdest adult birthday ever. But I found the spirit of Christmas, and it certainly cheered me up. Because it is this weird (laughs) ghost time travel, like, movie but it's it's like like it's so it's such a cheap budget that it doesn't really work and it's very questionable like there's this girl and she's like she's like I'm business lady I'm business and I'm going to stay at this house and it's like a hotel in a historical house and she like nobody lives in it during the christmas season because there's something weird about it and it's haunted supposedly and she's like I don't believe in that <laughs> I'm a business lady from the city I don't believe in ghosts and um there's this guy and he's a ghost spoilers and like he's supposed to be from like the 1800s but he has like a modern haircut yeah and he's wearing like modern clothing but then he's like wearing suspenders and it's like yeah because 1800s yes um i mean i guess it was the early 1900s it's like victorian like early 1900s oh it's supposed to be night all i know because i watched this movie just like two nights ago so it's he says he died 95 (laughs) years ago so it's during prohibition because he's a bootlegger and that's how he died so it's like in the 1920s yeah but then like his girlfriend's wearing like a long party dress from like the like like 1912 like she's wearing like a titanic era dress and his cousin's wearing like J. Crew shit. Like he's wearing like yes. a really nice, like little cozy, like turtleneck yes. sweater you see like your hometown friends' husbands wearing in their Christmas photos. Like, yeah. yes. The best yeah. part is there's a. F- so <laughs> the caretaker of the building is showing her around and she's like, who is this? And they. They go to this photograph, and you're expecting it to be, like, this old-timey photograph, but it's obvious that they just took his headshot and sepia-toned it, and it's, like, every time I see it, I laugh out loud. So, it's one of my favorite bad Christmas movies, and I've watched it, I swear, three times. I've introduced many other people to it. I made my ex-boyfriend watch it last Christmas, and he was like, wait, I don't, that, no, that's just his headshot. I was like, yes, see, get it. So, but I love it, and I've watched it so many times. Um, my mom loves so. it she thinks the ghost she thinks the ghost is hot that's why she keeps watching it he is a hot ghost i'm not i'm not yeah. i'm not saying he's not a hot ghost he is a hot ghost but he's a hot i ghost. just find the production really funny because that's just his headshot 
and to me that made me laugh hysterically. Um, but yeah, so I looked. There's another one called the Christmas or the Christmas gift or something, um, or borrowed Christmas. It's called borrowed Christmas. Find it. It was on Amazon Prime last year. I don't know if it is. And basically, it's a stage play that they, um, you know, adapted into a movie. But it's like a very independent adaptation. And I found a bunch of these last year where they're like stage, like local stage plays that people have written and they've adapted them, but they only had like two sets. So like everything takes place in like the same house and it's really funny. And this one is like, the acting is so bad. And the story, it's like a, a this rich guy rents a family for Christmas and the woman that like hires. So, so, but they can't find a real family because the real family gets sick. So the woman who's helping him, oh, because she's like a rental place, like she owns like a rental store, like rent a whatever store. She she gets orphans from the local orphanage, and they keep saying the word orphanage, which I'm like, that's a children's home, but okay. She gets local orphans to be the children. And then of course at the end, she falls in love with him, as a spoiler, but they fall in love, and he adopts all the orphans. And the weirdest thing is two of the orphans are dating, like, the older two kids are dating, so, like, they get adopted, but they're dating, so, no. You're like, like no. uh... It's weird. That is um, weird. Christmas movies usually are, though. It's great. And, like, the, the acting is so bad. It's like watching a local play, and I love it. Like, there's this one lady who plays one of the maids, and she keeps messing up her lines, but they just keep filming, and you're just like... Is this the best take they had? Because, or did they just not have enough film? I don't know. Um, so I highly encourage you to go on Amazon Prime, especially to watch crappy Christmas movies. Um, anyways, okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> it's time for bed now. You're good, you're uh, good. Riley keeps pacing back and forth and looking at me like, because Taylor's asleep over here, so he's probably like, are you going to let me out? Are you kidding oh. me? Yeah, you probably need to go. Okay, well, so watch Let the Right One In is on Woo! Hulu and a bunch of other things on Amazon Prime that I don't have. So, <laughs> um, it's creepy and um, I was call it atmospheric is the vibe I get from it. Um, and apparently there's a really cool pool scene, but I don't know what the pool oh, scene yeah. happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I hate that. that don't was tell cool. me. I hate that was cool for you, but at least you don't know the actual ins and outs of it, so. Yes. I just know that there is a pool scene, and I've seen pictures of the pool scene, and then I quickly stopped whatever I was doing because I didn't want to ruin it for me. So, so I'm, I'm excited because, and it is, it is going to be subtitled, but. I mean, a lot of the good movies we've watched have been. Yes. I feel like. Yes. I feel like. Like, Audition. Audition was great. Oh, I love Audition. Parasite. Parasite 2, yes. Yep. And Dog 2. Yeah, Dog Tooth was, yeah. No, I'm just saying Dog Tooth. Is it good? Or did it just scar me for life? I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't. Oh, Dog Tooth. Dog Tooth messed me up, man. I'm, I'm curious if I watched it now, would I be okay with it? Yeah. Because I didn't let myself watch it twice. Because it portrait of a lady on fire too. Oh yeah, yo yeah, portrait of a lady on fire. I think that's, so we do, we've done a fair amount of foreign films, but not oh, yeah. too many. I do think like sometimes it is. That's why like I wanted to do something that was kind of lighthearted. Because sometimes I think it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't find it a chore to read subtitles, but I think some people do. Yeah. You know, and 
you know. Anyways, okay, so, but we expand our horizons when we go outside of our language barrier. Very true. Um, so it's a good thing. Um, but I'm excited. Um, watch Let the Right One In, and then we'll see you next week. Yes. And thank you for subscribing. We love you guys. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Stay peaceful with everybody if you can. I know the holidays are rough, and we all... Uh, our our tempers are at the highest. I've just been volunteered to host Thanksgiving, and I don't even have a couch at my new house yet. So I feel ya. But you know, just breathe. It'll be okay. I know this year's been rough, but hey, the vaccine supposedly is ninety percent effective for COVID. So that's some good news. Mm-hmm. Yay! Maybe we won't be all wearing masks for ten more years. So, but until then, be sure you wear a mask and wash your hands and take your vitamins. Um, if you're going to be around people and be nice to your relatives and thank God the election's finally effing over so we can all stop fighting. Yay. Yes. (laughs) It's the best time of the year. Post-election. Is it? I don't know. Is it worse? I feel like it's, it's better. Post-election. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Personally, I feel like it's, things feel a little bit more like we can breathe a little bit, which is nice. A collective sigh of relief. Um, Yeah, guys, uh, make sure to drink your water. Um, Watch your... I've been getting on to my 14-year-old nephew about this. Please limit your screen time when possible. Not because, you know, it's not great to read things or, you know, read articles. But just sometimes it can hurt your eyes after a while. So, you know... someone who has worked with eyes before, it's terrible for your eyes. Get blue light lenses and go to your doctor and get it. Because I don't know how successful those ones on the internet are. Yes. I don't trust him. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, um, go to your doctor. I know not everyone has insurance, but um, so if you can't, just, you know, just be mindful of those type of things. Read a good book. Um, take a walk outside. Filter on your phone. Yes, blue light filter on the phone. Take a walk outside. It's a beautiful time of year to get out and enjoy the yes. weather. So I want to go hiking. Like, I yes. just really went to go hiking this weekend, and I couldn't, and I was kind of like, I should have arranged that. Oh yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. You yeah. can get a group together, go hiking. We should go hiking. Ooh, that'd be we fun. We could take your dogs. <gasps> yes, puppy. Do, do they like hiking? Ah, uh, they've never been before. They like going on walks. But yeah, so I hope I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. Uh, we we appreciate you. We value you. Thank you for every like, comment, subscribe. Um, we love you guys. Um, as always, we look forward to seeing you same time, same time next week on uh same spoopy time same spoopy channel so woohoo woo yay and <laughs> stay spoopy y'all stay spoopy y'all and have have a good night everybody good night night or bye katie day. or good day yes. bye, bye. Good night. <laughs> the grindhouse girls podcast is a production by katie dale and Brittany ray and edited by katie dale All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.